Arthur Smith's job is now tied to Desmond Ritter's success down the stretch. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another illustrious episode of the Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. We're going to help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So guys, if you don't know me, I'm your very humble podcast host, Aaron Freeman been covering the Falcons for a very long time, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP, formerly on Twitter at Falcfans, RIP, but still going strong on this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast. And of course, we appreciate each and every one of you that makes this podcast your first listen or first watch. And all you got to do to become an everydayer is subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So I do want to get to the point I made at the top of the episode, which is that Arthur Smith's job security is potentially tied to Desmond Ritter's success down the stretch. But I kind of need to lay the groundwork to build to that point, right, by revisiting the All-22. It is an All-22 review after all. We'll be talking a little bit about what I saw in this uh, Cardinals game, although, you know, I think for most of us, we just want to kind of forget this game. But I'm going to do the thing that I've done far too often, I think, to many of your liking on these All-22 reviews this season, and I'm going to defend Arthur Smith's play call. Now, Arthur Smith's play calling in this game against Arizona was suspect. It was conservative, right? My biggest criticisms for his play calling was there were too many instances where you saw third and mediums where Keith Smith and Michael Pruitt are split out wide as running routes as receivers. And like, I could understand if it was like a third and short and you lined up with those guys on the field and then you motioned those guys out of the backfield on like a third and one or third and two, because you wanted Arizona to think, Oh, we're going to run the ball. And then you try to, you know, motion those guys out and, and try to get them in, in a disadvantageous coverage situation. I could make sense, but on a third and medium where it's foregone conclusion that you're going to throw the football, although the Falcons did run the ball a couple of times in this game. Um, you know, I, I think you got to put your best weapons out there to, to, to make those plays. And that's not Keith Smith and Michael Pruitt in that case, but that was only a handful of plays like that. And so my biggest takeaway from watching the film was the quarterback play. As you suspect, if you listen to Sunday night's uh, rapid reaction, because I think a lot of Arthur Smith's conservativeness in this game from a play calling and a game playing standpoint was because he didn't have any confidence in a quarterback. And it goes back to the conversation we had a few weeks ago uh, on this pod about play calling and quarterback play and, and how if you wanted to simplify how uh, coordinators in the NFL treat play calling, there's like three levels of play calling. There's the lowest level, which is level one, which is like screens and stuff where you're doing your most to eliminate the quarterback's impact on that play and on the offense. Then there's level two stuff, which is the bulk of what you see in the NFL. These are the regular concepts that you're going to see. And if you're going to be an effective, functional starting quarterback in the league, you need to master the level two stuff. The level three stuff is the more advanced stuff that only really the high level quarterbacks in the league are expected to be able to operate on a semi-regular basis and execute on a semi-regular basis. And the Falcons were never going to do the level three stuff, as I mentioned before. 
But the goal was to get Desmond Ritter and the hope around Desmond Ritter this season was tied to his ability to execute those level two stuff at a high level. And early in the season, he was struggling that that led to Arthur Smith scaling back the offense a little bit in the first month of the season to offering more level one stuff, which made the offense a little bit more predictable. Uh, but then after the London game against the Jaguars, we saw the Falcons get back to operating level two stuff. And Desmond Ritter did a much better job executing that level two stuff for the next couple of weeks. The only thing that was holding back this offense, at least from a Desmond Ritter standpoint, were the turnovers. And the assumption when Heineke came into the lineup, you know, the last couple of weeks, based off of what he did in the second half of the Tennessee game, where he was operating some of the level two stuff that the Falcons were running, was that he would be able to operate those level two things. But we saw last week against Minnesota, he really struggled in that. As I said last week, it was one of the worst performances I've seen a Falcons quarterback have. And I've been watching the All-22 since 2012. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. So what you saw this week against Arizona was you saw even more dialing back to the level one stuff. And when the Falcons did run the level two stuff, Heineke was very hit and miss. Now, it wasn't as bad as it was last week against Minnesota, but it was still very iffy in this game. And, you know, it's easy, I think, to criticize the poor play calling, the conservative play calling against a bad Arizona Cardinals team. And why weren't you calling certain things to light them up? And so to me, the issue is you got to ask, why did Arthur Smith make a conservative play call? And again, it goes to Arthur Smith not having that confidence in his quarterback. And to be fair to Taylor Heineke, in the third quarter, it was less a quarterback issue and more protection issue. And then when Desmond Ritter entered the game in the fourth quarter, they still were running a decent amount of level one stuff with Desmond Ritter at the helm. But it goes back to what I said after the game on Sunday, where to me, the biggest criticism of Arthur Smith in Atlanta, and the biggest knock is how his decision to bench Desmond Ritter, right? Because you went to a quarterback in Taylor Heineke that for the next six quarters or for, you know, after the two quarters against Tennessee, the four quarters against, you know, Minnesota, and then the three quarters against Arizona, or really the six quarters, the two against Tennessee and the four against Minnesota. Sorry, (laughs) trying to figure out my math here. But those six quarters, and then you get to this Arizona game and you don't have any confidence in the quarterback. And that, to me, is the biggest criticism where it's like, why did you bench Desmond Ritter? If we're if we're regressing the offense under Taylor Heineke, what was the whole point of benching Desmond Ritter? And so that let that decision to bench Desmond Ritter potentially derail Desmond Ritter's development, right? And that may wind up being the thing that we look at if and when Arthur Smith, right, is on the hot seat. People are calling calling for him to be removed as the Falcons head coach at the end of the season, right? It's going to be that decision to bench Desmond Ritter, to me, that is going to be at the top of the list of reasons why Arthur Smith is potentially going to get fired. And I want to explore that further and talk about why now Arthur Smith's job security for the remainder of the season is attached to Desmond Ritter's success for the rest of the season. And we'll get into that to continue today's Locked on Falcons. Now, we know that the Falcons' success depends on having the right team members, and that may be true for your small business. Maybe you're a hiring manager that's looking for your company to reach their goals in 2023, and it's going to be a lot easier for you than it is for the Falcons because you're not dealing with all these issues that they're dealing with, but you can also go to LinkedIn Jobs and attract the right people, the qualified candidates, match with the people that have the right skills and experiences that are going to help you achieve your goals. Put your post in front of millions of candidates in just 
minute over at LinkedIn Jobs. It's easy to screen rate applicants based off your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs is going to help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And guys, make sure you score as much as possible with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with a winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And guys, FanDuel doesn't know that your team is the Atlanta Falcons. You can pretend that your team is somebody completely different and put that money line bet, $5, win that bet, get $150 in bonus bets. It's the perfect time to join FanDuel. There's no better time to get in on the action. And not only do you have money line bets, which are straight up bets, you also have spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. If you're looking to put your money on the Falcons or against the Falcons, hey, I, I've been betting against the Falcons the last couple of weeks, and it's been making me a lot of money over at FanDuel. The Falcons are already one and a half point favorites against the Saints in their upcoming matchup. So maybe you want to lay something down on that. Uh, ahead of time before that line moves over the next week or so. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. So before we continue today's episode, I do want to plug the Locked On NFL kickoff live show, which comes every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern across the Locked On Podcast Network. If you're subscribed to Locked On Falcons, you will get it live at Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to Locked On Falcons or any Locked On NFL YouTube channel. Uh, and of course, the Locked On NFL Kickoff Live is getting you geared up for this weekend's action. And of course, it's going to be a stress-free action of football, of weekend of football for you guys, because there's no Atlanta Falcons. So check out Jarvis Davis, Tanisha Batiste, Kyle Krabs, and all the other local hosts that will get you geared up for this week's action. Again, that's Locked On NFL Kickoff Live, 2 p.m. Friday Eastern. So if it's not clear already, that uh, I didn't outright express it. Desmond Ritter should absolutely be the starter coming out of the bye. And whether Arthur Smith is willing to openly say this or not is up to him. But he should basically say the plan is for Desmond Ritter to be the starter for the remainder of the year, right? The only thing that's going to really derail that plan is if Desmond Ritter decides to pull a Nate Peterman and, and throw five picks in the first half or, um, you know, he gets hurt or something like that. And frankly, if it was up to me, and again, I, I don't expect Arthur Smith to make this move, but if it was up to me, I would probably demote Taylor Heineke to QB3. I'd make Logan Woodside to QB2. I, I'm, you know, I know you guys are like, oh, you hate Heineke. I, I don't hate him. I just, I feel like the last seven quarters, I've seen enough of Taylor Heineke. I don't need to see him. We'll always have those two quarters against the Titans, and that's it. Like That, that to me, is what I want to remember Taylor Heineke in his time in Atlanta so I'm, I'm done with the Taylor Heineke experience at this point in time. Uh, you know, that beehive, I just want to smash it on the ground <laughs> and run away. I don't know. Oh, uh, anyway, sorry. So we, the, the conversation around Arthur Smith's job security, it's been heating up, right? That seat has been heating up. It's, it's on a simmer at this point in time. It's not some rolling boil or anything like that. And our friend Jeff Schultz, who covers Atlanta sports over at the athletic indicated in a, a column he wrote, I think on Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, I can't remember what, when it came out where he, wrote that Arthur Smith is not in danger of losing his job this year or really after this year. And I generally agree with Jeff in that assessment. I think it's likely that Arthur Smith will be back as the Falcons head coach in 2024, but we've reached a point where I don't think that's as sure a thing as it appeared to be going into the season. If you would ask me in, in, in August, I would have been like, yeah, definitely 99% probability of that happening. That number, again, I wouldn't put a, a number on it at this point in time, but 
that number has dipped since then. But let's let's get into some hypotheticals, right? You know, I know Arthur Smith doesn't done believe in hypotheticals, but let's get into a hypothetical where Jeff is wrong in his assessment. And these next seven games uh, coming out of the bye week, Arthur Smith is coaching for his job. And so to me, if Arthur Smith is coaching for his job, hypothetically speaking, it's tied to two things. Wins, obviously, it's a bottom line business in the NFL. And two, it's Ritter success. And the goal is you want to feel pretty good about Desmond Ritter and where he is at by the end of the season. Hopefully, in a point where you feel like it's not crazy, you feel generally good about the idea of Desmond Ritter being the Falcons starting quarterback in 2024. Now, whether Desmond Ritter should be or will be the starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons in 2024 definitely remains to be seen. That is definitely up uh, something that is up for grabs. But let's talk a little bit briefly about the Falcons quarterback situation in 2024, because so much you've probably been thinking, hearing and saying, uh, talking about quarterback purgatory. Right. And understandably, the Falcons are kind of in this no man's land where it's like we don't know what their quarterback situation is looking like. And a lot of that is tied to Desmond Ritter's lack of development. So let's again play these hypotheticals. And now let's pretend that we are in Arthur Blank's shoes, right? Or at least we're in the room with Arthur Blank and Rich McKay when it comes to determining, um, you know, whether Arthur Smith should keep his job, right? And so let's uh, hypothetically speak say Jeff is right. Let's, let's flip the script and say Arthur Smith does return as the Falcons head coach in 2024. And then you ask Arthur Smith after he's made his case for keeping his job, what's your plan at quarterback? So we're in the room with Arthur Blank and, and Rich McKay listening to Arthur Smith's speech on this. And if Arthur Smith comes to us and says, I want to draft a quarterback, are you going to feel great about that? Especially given how he's developed Desmond Ritter through 10 games at this point in time. Right. The fact that he basically abandoned ship on Desmond Ritter two weeks ago and presumably is going to go back to it, although that announcement has not been made official yet. Right. And that decision to go from Desmond Ritter to a lesser quarterback in Taylor Heineke, are you going to feel good about giving Arthur Smith another young quarterback to develop based off of what you've seen so far? Right. And as an aside, talking about the upcoming 2024 draft class, I think there's two studs at the top of this draft class, Caleb Williams of USC. Drake May of North Carolina, but I feel like there's a drop-off after that point, and I don't know, and I haven't seen yet. It's November, so you can take this opinion with a grain of salt. It's going to matter what I think in March and April more so than anything else, but at least right now, I don't know if there's another guy in this upcoming quarterback class that I would feel good about being a day-one starter in the NFL, and that's not specifically to the Falcons. That's just a general feeling about starting uh, for any team in the NFL, right, but I think when you put it specifically in the Falcons lens, it becomes even more problematic due to Ritter's development. So let's also say Smith says, comes to you and say, no, my plan at the quarterback is to go after a, get a veteran. And again, if you're in that room with Arthur Blank, are you going to love that either? Because it feels like you're kind of reverting back to where we were just two years ago with Matt Ryan, which was an older, declining, expensive quarterback. If you're going to go with a Ryan Tannehill or a Kirk Cousins or a Russell Wilson or any of these other veterans that are going to be available on the market. So it doesn't feel like you're rebuilding. It just feels like you're going in circles there with either choice. And so to me, if you're in that room with Arthur Blank and you're sitting there going, Arthur Smith needs to justify his quarterback plan moving forward. His best path forward is where it's kind of tied to Desmond Ritter. And again, not saying that Desmond Ritter has to be the Falcons starter in 2024, but you're going to feel a lot better about whatever pitch Arthur Smith is going to make based off of how Desmond Ritter performs 
over the rest of the season. Now, a big part of you feeling good about Arthur Smith and the direction of this team is you got to win the division, right? That's that's a that's a you know you you got to do that, right? And you got to get this four seed because Lord knows we ain't getting three seed, right? If you win the division, and you got to hope that whoever gets the five seed and, it's, and the five seeds totally up for grabs at this point in time, um, that that team comes to Atlanta in the wild card round, and you either beat them, which you know seems far fetched at this point in time. But again, that's the hope is that this team will get better over these last seven games so that you can feel like, hey, we got a real shot of beating probably what is going to be a team with a much better record as that five seed or that team that has a much better record. You can play them down to the wire to the point that you felt like, man, if we just made one or two more plays, we would have beat them. And this team is actually much better than their eight, and nine, nine and eight record, whatever they are, that gets them that four seed and wins the division. And the second thing is you got to get Desmond Ritter playing at a decent level. You're going to feel a lot better about Arthur Smith's ability to coach up another quarterback, whoever that quarterback is, if you can get much better play from Desmond Ritter down the stretch, right? That you can get Desmond Ritter back to where he was playing at prior to the benching, right? Those few weeks prior to the benching, minus the turnovers, of course, right? Which if you look at metrics, advanced stats, like metrics, like expected points added EPA or just the net yards per attempt on you, right? Desmond Ritter was a top 15-ish quarterback for the four games prior to his benching. And so if you can eliminate the co- the turnovers, then you feel like, okay, he can be even better. Maybe he's even a top 13, 12-ish quarterback down the stretch. And if you can check those boxes, you're going to feel a lot better about Arthur Smith being not only the head coach of the Falcons next year, and you'll feel a lot better about whatever his plan is because you'll feel like, okay, yes, the first 10 games under Desmond Ritter were a disaster in terms of Arthur Smith's development in in teaching, but he figured it out after the bye week, right? And not only will that also merit Arthur Smith, Rich McKay, and you being that hypothetical consultant third person in the room, justifying the decision to keep Arthur Smith as the Falcons head coach in 2024, it also means you're going to feel a lot better about him being, it's not just simply we're just keeping him just to keep him. He's actually going to win the hearts and minds back, potentially of Falcon fans everywhere. Potentially. Again, now that definitely warrants skepticism because I know a lot of people are already out on Arthur Smith. It's an impossible task at this point in the season. You're already checked out in the season. You're already shopping for your preferred head coach quarterback candidates for 2024. I know plenty of you guys are out there thinking that way. Now, I will say this. My obligations as a daily podcaster of the Atlanta Falcons means I haven't reached that point, but we may be a couple of weeks away from that point where it is draft season and we're looking forward to all the offseason changes that we need to make in order to get this team to playing at the level that we all thought they were capable of playing at this season so we'll see what happens but we'll you know we're still locked in if not locked on to this current 2023 season at least on this podcast although i understand why some of you guys aren't really willing to go that far so other than desmond ritter being named the starter I don't know right now if there's any other post bye week personnel changes that I would make, but I know one that has gotten a lot of attention is Richie Grant. And we'll talk about whether or not it makes sense to bench Richie Grant at this point in time and whether or not the Falcons have a better option than Richie Grant coming up to wrap up today's Locked on Falcons. Now, prize picks is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. And now that basketball season is here, both college and pro, you can now pick combo projections across sports in 
Prize Picks Specials League. It's a league created specifically for combo projections where you can get two or more players from different sports, different leagues. For example, you can combine LeBron James and Travis Kelsey for three points made in receptions. It's not just, you know, football and basketball. You can do pro basketball, college basketball. You know, there's projections for, you know, NBA and college players combined. And if you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with prize picks. Real simple to play. You just pick two or more players, pick more or less than their projected stats. And the more injuries you make, the more money you can make up to 25 times your money. There's quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, an enormous selection of players and stat types that make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Just go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use promo code in lowercase locked on NFL. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. So let's talk about the potential bye week changes, right? And one that's gotten a lot of attention based off of a very rough performance from him in the Arizona game was Richie Grant, Falcon safety, Richie Grant. And it's not just one game for Richie Grant. It's been a rough year for Richie Grant. He's had some ups, but the downs have certainly outweighed the ups so far this year. And, you know, watching the game, charting the defense and whatnot, like Richie Grant definitely, you know, Trey McBride had a great day. The Cardinals tied in. Had a, a big day, right? Historic day in Arizona Cardinals history. That's not all on Richie Grant. Now, Richie Grant probably gave up the two biggest plays to Trey McBride, but McBride also beat Jeff Akuda, Nate Lamon, Kay Nellis, Clark Phillips, and Arnold Epicetti. So, you know, when you look at the stat sheet and you see, you know, Trey McBride's like nine catches for 130 some odd yards, that's not all on Richie Grant. Like, you know, 50 or 60 of that is on Richie Grant, <laughs> but not all of it. So, a lot of people have been talking about we need to get Richie Grant out the paint. And, you know, I've heard even my my, my boy Jarvis uh, Davis of Locked On Sports Atlanta and, and so many others being like, you know, we need to give DeMarco Helms a shot. And to me, that's a non-starter for me, right? You know, love you, Jarvis, but I, I, I strongly disagree on that. Like, to me, DeMarco Helms is clearly a box cover three safety. And to me, given that Richie Grant's biggest problem, the biggest criticism that we have for Richie Grant is – the deep coverage stuff, putting a guy that has less speed, range, and instincts to play deep and has shown that throughout his college career um, and doesn't hasn't shown really much in his limited NFL career to say that that's something that has changed. Asking DeMarco Hellams to play deep coverage to solve that problem, to me, doesn't make sense to me, right? The only way that you could justify starting DeMarco Hellams over Richie Grant is if you leaned in to being much more of a cover three defense, right? And we saw that didn't work particularly well when the Falcons leaned heavily on their cover three defense against the Titans, right? That was a big reason why that game went awry. And based off of my charting of the Falcons defense this season, you know, when you look at success rate, cover three is the Falcons least effective, least effective coverage shell this year. So leaning, you know, starting DeMarco Helms and leaning into your worst coverage to me, doesn't make a ton of sense unless, you know, you're convinced that, well, the reason why the cover three doesn't work is because Richie Grant's out there. I don't necessarily agree with that, but um, if you were pushing a, you know, let's bench Richie Grant, but instead of promoting DeMarco Helms, you're promoting Micah Abernathy. At least I can listen to that pitch because that to me tells me that you're actually evaluating what's wrong with the the defense and not just just throwing stuff at a wall and hoping something will stick with DeMarco Helms because Micah Abernathy at least theoretically has the range and the coverage ability that could 
play in the style of defense that the Falcons currently want to play that doesn't require the Falcons have to completely revamp their defense. So, so for me, that's one of the reasons why, like, I don't know other than the quarterback, I don't know if there's another personnel change that I would make, right? You can tweak some things, obviously, like, you know, Clark Phillips had his debut on defense. It was an up and down performance, but part of that is, I think is owed to the fact that the Falcons were kind of 50, 50 on terms of zone versus man. And we've discussed before that Clark Phillips is primarily a zone a uh, cover guy and the man issues can show up and that showed up a couple of times. I know there was that one play to Marquise Brown where uh, Phillips questionable speed uh, got exposed on that play and, and Brown nearly had a touchdown, uh, but uh, Kyler Murray overthrew him. Uh, but I think that play Phillips was kind of expecting help from deep help from Jeff Akuda and that, speaks to something I've mentioned a couple of times now on the podcast the last couple of weeks, which is Jeff Okuda is not always great in zone. But again, I still think, you know, you want to see what Clark Phillips can do after the bye. Um, and, you know, Jeff Okuda outside of a couple of busts in zone coverage the last couple of weeks, you know, has been playing pretty well this year. So no, no tweaks there in, in terms of that. You know, obviously if D Alford is back healthy, he should be the starting nickel cornerback, but Clark Phillips, I think should be the primary backup, uh, over Mike Hughes. But last little tidbit, let's talk about Frank Darby, right? And Frank Darby arguably was the culprit on that big punt return by Greg Dortch that kind of sparked the the Cardinals um, in this game. And Darby was serving as the gunner on the punt coverage team on that play. And that was his only snap on punt coverage, uh, first and last. And, um, you know, because gunners are expected to be the first guys down the field, the first line of defense on punt coverage, the fact that Darby really struggled to get downfield, he was double teamed on the outside and, and basically was not able to get down the field. That was a contributing factor to why Dorch had so much space. Although to be fair to Frank Darby, he wasn't the the, the main cause because, um, you know, Liam McCullough, uh, Lorenzo Carter, uh, D'Angelo Malone and I think Andre Smith all missed tackles on that play. So like, you know, Frank Darby didn't do his job, but those guys also didn't do their jobs either. So it was a team effort on that big uh, punt return. But, you know, what's notable to me is the last couple of weeks, the Falcons have been, had a three-man rotation at punt gunner, which has featured Mac Hollins, Kadero Hodge, and Trey Flowers. And in this game with Hollins being down, it was mostly Hodge and Flowers till that one big punt return. And what stood out to me watching the game was, that, you know, Hodge wasn't on the field for that series, I think, part uh, for that punt return, in part due to the previous offensive series where he was getting all three of the snaps as the number two wide receiver opposite Drake London. And I know Marquise uh, Williams, the, the Falcons uh, special teams coordinator, has mentioned sort of, you know, rotating guys in and out and keeping track of snaps. And maybe the reason why Hodge wasn't on the field was they were concerned about fatigue. And in previous games, when you had a really good gunner like uh, Mac Hollins that made perfect sense but that was one instance where I feel like you know maybe moving forward the Falcons should get Van Jefferson those snaps to keep Kadero Hodge fresh on those punt turns so that they don't have a similar situation like they had with Frank Darby but you know what's interesting about this is you know I I, I know a couple people didn't realize that Mac Hollins had been falling down the depth chart steadily this year right? That he's basically the last couple of weeks been the fifth wide receiver on the depth chart, which is why the Falcons chose to elevate Frank Darby from the practice squad to the active roster this past Sunday to replace Matt Collins rather than Demir Bird the week before when they were looking to replace Drake London because 
of Hollins's prominent role on special teams, and they were looking for more of a special teams replacement for him, not to mention Hollins's primary role on offense now at this point in time is to block. I think over 60% of his snaps over the last, you know, four weeks or whenever since the Van Jefferson trade have been blocking. And, you know, it's weird that I say that because I do recall, I don't, did you got, I think there was a podcast that came out over the summer that was talking about how Mac Hollins, like could only do like five things. And like one of them was block and he can run like four routes. I don't remember what podcast that was, but please leave a comment. Let me know. Remind me what that podcast. I'm just, I'm just blanking on what podcast was talking about, you know, Mac Hollins, like not being a good option for the Falcons number two spot, but you know, number two wide receiver spot. So I don't know. Just let me know. I don't know. But, um, you know, I mentioned this just because I know there's some Frank Darby haters out there and they're just always looking for, you know, he's the new Felipe Franks to some folks. I I think it is. Um, And so they're always looking for, you know, ammunition for why Frank Darby should not be on the team. And you have it now because, you know, while he wasn't primarily responsible for the, the big punt return. I mean, yeah, maybe, I mean, yeah, he was one of me. So you can pretend that, that the other guys didn't miss tackles and just say it was all Frank Darby's fault if you happen to be one of those Frank Darby haters and like, why is he still on the team? So we'll see. But that's going to do it for us here, guys. Uh, Locked on Falcons insiders will probably be breaking down a handful of plays on the extended all 22 review from Taylor Heineke, or both quarterbacks, as well as, you know, probably that punt return to, to show what where Frank Darby went wrong. Um, if you want to subscribe to Locked On Falcons Insiders, there's a link in the description below. Join subtext.com slash Locked On Falcons, and you'll get access to that extended All-22 review. You'll get one-on-one uh, feedback with me. Uh, we can swap Thanksgiving recipes, whatever you want. That's the type of access that you now get as a Locked On Falcons Insider. So join, hit that link in the description below. That's going to do it for us, guys, here. Continue to make us your first listen. Just a humble podcast host, you know, trying to, show my relaxing by getting my podcasting sweater. It's it's bi-week now, so we can relax. So that's going to do it for us, guys. Appreciate it. Till then.